welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth steps, resources, join a servant team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this moment financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. How are you guys doing today? You guys doing all right? It's great to see you. And I am so excited about this coming fall season ahead of ministry. One of the things I'm most looking forward to is the launch of our Unfollow teaching series that will begin next Sunday. We're going to talk about unfollowing the things that hinder us from following Christ. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope that you'll, you'll be here to join us. Well, we are going to take a little bit of time at the end of the message today to talk about what's next for church experience. We have been in the midst of figuring out a uh, new location and talking about a relocation. And so I'll give you some more details about that um, at the end of the message today. But let's go ahead and, and jump into the final message today in this series on Lead On. And we've been in a mini series within this talking about the life of Solomon. And, you know, last Sunday, we, we began by introducing Solomon, for those of you who may not be familiar with his life story, and we talked about how Solomon was the third king of the nation of Israel. He followed Saul, and then David, and then it was Solomon, and Solomon was the son of David, David and Bathsheba, actually, if you know the story, and uh, Solomon reigned for 40 years, 40 years, and this... This era was around a thousand years before Jesus' time on earth. And Solomon, you know, he did a lot of amazing things in his, his time. He built the temple of God, which was known as one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. He wrote much of the book of Proverbs. He wrote, uh, we believe, Ecclesiastes and, of course, Song of Solomon, uh, books in the Bible. So uh, God used him to do so many great things for the nation of Israel and to lead his people, he lived a very significant life. And we've been talking about lessons on leadership from someone who was such a great leader like Solomon. And I want to catch you up. You have some notes in front of you. You might have brought your notes back from last week as I, I shared half of this message last Sunday. But if you missed it, I want to catch you up. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. Solomon has a very interesting uh, dialogue with God. And it says that Gibeon, the Lord, appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. 
Ask me to give you whatever you want me to give you. And I asked a question last Sunday. If God came to you and said, ask whatever you want, what would you ask for? What is it that you would ask for? Well, Solomon, he had great self-leadership and he asked God for something that most people wouldn't have thought to ask. Verse nine, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? So Solomon asked for wisdom and discernment to lead so that the people of that nation could be blessed. So he asked for something for others and not for himself. He had great self-leadership and and because he had great self-leadership, he was able to lead his people well. And so the lesson in your notes, if you weren't here and you're catching up, is, is that you won't lead others better until you lead yourself better. And, and I just asked last week, I said, you know, where do you need to lead yourself better so that you can be a better leader? And this whole time we've been talking about leadership in terms of being an influencer. The definition of leadership is to influence, to influence others. And so we want to influence others to Jesus. And so what do you need to do to lead yourself better so that you can lead others better to Christ? Well, because Solomon developed his character well, because he led himself well, he was able to develop and lead his kingdom well. And then finally, if to get you fully caught up, if you missed 1 Kings chapter 10, this, this queen, the queen of Sheba, comes to visit Solomon to see him in all his glory in his kingdom. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 4, her response. She says, when the queen of Sheba saw all the, the wisdom of Solomon, the palace that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, the burnt offerings he had made at the temple of the Lord, it says that she was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed. And down in verse nine, praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you, talking to Solomon, he's made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. So her attention goes to God because of how well Solomon led. And if you're influencing others and leading others well, their attention should be turned to God. They should be pointed and directed to God. Their lives should be better, and they should be closer to God because of your influence in their life. And, and we, we kind of summarize that lesson this way in your notes, that godly leaders leverage life on earth for what matters in eternal life. We said there's a lot of things you can do with your time, but there's only some of the things that you do with your time that will last in eternity, that will actually make a difference forever. So what is it that you're doing? You only have one life. And what is it that you're doing with your one life that will matter for all of time? Not even just the legacy question that people ask. Even people who don't believe in God will ask these kind of questions like, well, what will I be remembered for when I'm gone? But the scary truth is that probably in a few hundred years, the answer is nothing. <laughs> you know, outside of you making a, a grand new invention or accomplishing something or winning a Nobel Prize, even then, I mean, the chances of anyone remembering you a, a few centuries later... Don't live for that. That's too small of a vision to live for. Live for something that's much bigger, and that's living for something that's eternal. And if you influence one life that is forever changed and that's in heaven one day because of your life, that's, that's a legacy that lasts forever and that makes a difference. So that's what we talked about last week, if you missed. And so I left you with a cliffhanger question. Last Sunday, I said, if you, if you were Solomon and you had all this wealth, you had all this power and influence. He's the king of this nation. You have all this wisdom. 
God said, there will never be another one like you, Solomon. Because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all this wisdom. You can read Proverbs to get a glimpse of all the amazing wisdom he had. So you have affluence, you have influence, you have opportunity. How would you end your life on earth? Like, like what would be the grand finale? You know, everybody knows at the end of the fireworks display, there's always the grand finale. Everything builds up to this climax. So what would it be if you were Solomon? Well, there's a lot of things we might naturally expect him to do and for his kingdom to look like. But unfortunately, none of those things happened. It it was a melodramatic ending. It was a sad ending because Solomon did not finish in the way that he could have, but he got distracted. He got distracted, as so often happens in our lives. And I think there's a great leadership lesson for us. In 1 Kings chapter 11, if you look with me at verse 4, says that Solomon grew old, and as he grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. They turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. So he got distracted by those who were close to him, influenced him away from the things of God. Down in verse 9. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I have commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son, which he did and the kingdom was split after this. Yeah, I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So because Solomon disobeyed, the God, disobeyed God and he did not finish well and he did not follow the plan that God had for him, everything that he had built would be ripped apart. This great nation would be destroyed and his reputation would be ruined because he didn't finish well. See, he started strong. And he, and he did a lot of things well, but he did not finish well. And, and a lot of it came because he was influenced. He was influenced by others away from his faith. You know, you have to be careful who's influencing you. You have to be careful what you read. You have to be careful of the conversations you have. And, and I think that we should always be in conversation with our culture, in conversation with our world. We shouldn't seclude ourselves. I mean, how can we be light if we're... If we're not out in the world, how, how can we be salt, you know, if, if we're separated? But we, as believers, need to be careful what is influencing us. And the influence is always going one of two ways. You're either influencing the world or you're being influenced by the world. I heard a pastor say this one time about his grown children who all still love the Lord and were serving as leaders in ministry. And I thought, man, that's so cool. And, and he said, you know, I used to always say to my kids when they were young and they were going off to school and to sports, he said, I would always say to them on the way out the door, you know, go influence the world, don't be influenced by the world. Go influence the world, don't be influenced by the world. So now I, I've kind of picked that up. And so I'll say that to my kids and I'll, I'll say, th- say that from time to time. Hey, go influence the world, don't be influenced by the world. And I, I kind of goofed it up the other day because we got to church and, you know, the boys had driven in early with me and, and we were walking into the church. And so we we're going to be separate areas. And I said, you know, the same heart of, you know, going to influence others. And I, I guess I just didn't think about it enough. And I, I said the wrong words. I said, guys, you know, go, go, go influence others, but don't let anybody else influence you. <laughs> and one of my kids said, well, dad, 
I mean, isn't that kind of why we come to church to let a positive influence happen in our life? And I'm like, yeah, I just screwed it up. Forget it. <laughs> it's like, come on, dad. But you know, the, I, the idea is that you're influencing others or you're being influenced by others. And it's our job as followers of, of, of Jesus to be influencers of culture, to influence our world. And you can't influence if you don't get close and build relationship and lead. And, and that's the heart of this whole series. But, but Solomon Solomon, he, he was under a different influence, a negative influence. The voices of those he allowed closest to him were influencing him towards false gods, and so he eventually followed. Do the people in your life that you love not only love you, but do they also love Jesus? The people that are closest to you, your inner circle, the ones that you, you trust the most, do they, do they love Jesus and do they love you? You need, you need to have some strong voices in your life. It doesn't mean you don't have close relationships with people who don't know Jesus. But it means you, had, you need to have some people that are close to you, that love you, and that love Jesus, and that are influencing you. But if you allow the influence of the world to be the dominant influence instead of God's voice, then the direction of your life could end in the same way that Solomon lived. In fact, you could build a great life, and it could be ruined in the end like Solomon's was. Think about it. When someone is driving down the road and they are intoxicated, they of course should not be behind the wheel, but if a police officer pulls them over and they find out that they're intoxicated, they, they give them a ticket, they might go to jail, and the whole idea behind that is they say, you, you got a DUI, you're driving under the influence. In this case, the influence of alcohol. And so it doesn't make you safe, and you can get in an accident, you can hurt yourself, and you can hurt others, because you're under the influence You're under the influence as you live your life. As you drive down the highway of life, you are under influence. The question is not, are you being influenced? The question is just, who's the influence in your life? Is it Jesus? Is is he the source of influence in your life? Is is God guiding you? Is the Holy Spirit in you and directing your steps? Are are you trying your best to, to please him and to live for him and to honor him? Is he the predominant influence? Or are you being influenced by the world? What is influencing you? What, what is it? What, what are you allowing to direct you? Because if you're under the influence of the world, there's a great chance that you will crash on the journey of life, that you will injure not only yourself but others. It's not a good idea to drive under a bad influence, but you want to drive under the influence of God and, and his word and his truth because he founded this world, because he has ultimate wisdom, because he knows you better than you know yourself, because he wants greater things for you than even what you want for yourself. See, God is good and you can trust him and he wants to influence your life and for you to influence the world, not to be influenced by the world. He says, we're in the world, not of the world. We're of the kingdom of God. You know, and Solomon, I think in his life story, one of the biggest takeaways is that really there's three parts to every race. There's three parts. You know, there's the start, there's the middle, and then there's the end. And if it's a close race and you want to win that race, you have to do all three of those things exceptionally well, don't you? You you can't just start. You can't just have a good middle. You have to also have a good end, which Solomon did not. And we we need more Christian leaders, Christian influencers who will, let's just take the first part of this, who will start that that race strong. They'll commit to running the race. They'll say, you know what? I'm willing to do whatever it takes. God, what do you want from me? I'm all in. Like, how can I be used? And we have a lot of, passive Christians in, in, in the world today, I think. A lot of people who are casual in their faith, I think good hearts, they want to, but then they're distracted and influenced by the world and, and the appetites of the world. And so 
they, they miss out on being all in with God. And we, we just need some more people to say, hey, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I, I, I'm all in. I mean, imagine in this world if we had even just a handful of people say, God, literally whatever it takes. I mean, amazing things can happen when you have a whatever it takes attitude. I remember having a, a whatever it takes kind of moment when I was in college and I started falling in love with this girl, Jennifer, who I went on to marry and, and, and it was Valentine's Day and I knew that I wanted to be with this girl so I wanted to do something special and it was because it was Valentine's Day, I went out and I got a bunch of candies and flowers and stuff but I'm like, I can't just give these to her. I, I need to do something spectacular, something a little unique, something that will catch her attention, set me apart from all these other guys in this guy's dorm that I live in. I, I need to kind of, you know, be a cut above if I want this girl. So I came up with a plan, I started scheming, and I talked to a, a, another friend of mine, a girl that was in the same all-girls dorm that my wife lived in, now wife, at the time girlfriend, and I, I said, hey, I got a plan, and I know this sounds crazy, but I want to sneak into the dorm at night and deliver my, my Valentine's Day stuff secretly into Jennifer's room and then leave without anyone knowing, and would you be willing to like leave the window cracked so I could sneak in? Right now, I look back on this. I'm like, I hope there's like a statute of limitations and all this kind of stuff, and that like you know, B and E doesn't sound very good, right? <laughs> I'm like 19, 20 years old, and I, I, this sounded at the time like a good idea. I see now it was not. Don't do as I did, do as I say. Okay, all right. So I had this great spectacular idea. I went out in the store and I got all an all black outfit. I got a ski mask. I got I got black clothes. I even got electrical tape to cover up any parts of my shoes that were not black. So I just wanted to be invisible at night. And, and so it became that night of. My friend agreed. She left the window cracked. She said, if you get busted and thrown out of school, I had no part in this, right? At Christian University, no guys ever can enter the dorm after midnight. Just, you know, it was a rule. So I, I sneak over there. Everybody's asleep. I got my backpack full of goodies. And, and see, as I was planning this, I thought, well, if someone catches me in the dorm, if somebody catches me and they, and they come up, sneak up behind me and they, they grab the ski mask off my head, they're, they're going to pull it off and find out who, am I, who I am. I can't, I can't let that happen. So I, I sewed, I, I got some safety pins and I sewed the ski mask to my, my shirt. So I said like one piece. I mean, I went all out. In fact, I was in the dorm. I, was, I, I crept in and, and no one saw me. I was going around corners. I had a mirror. I was looking around corners with the mirror because I didn't want anybody to see me. I mean, I was all out. I, I go up to the second, third floor where she's at. I'm looking down the hallway. Nobody's there. I creep down to her door. Her door is unlocked. So I push the door open. Her and her roommate are inside sleeping. I come inside, again, all black, ski mask, all that. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, and I go inside and I move their couch. And I set out all my candies in a big heart shape right on their floor. I put my flowers out, all my stuff. I mean, I, I make it look awesome, all right? They're still sound asleep. I'm like, this is, this is working great. And I should have left at that point. Like, that would have been just perfect. I could have just smooth exit. I should have left, but I didn't leave. And, and I thought, well, man, this is so cool. Like, nobody's appreciating my work. I mean, this is amazing. I snuck in, like no guy has ever done this. I got up here, like I'm in the room and look what I did and no one's here to appreciate. Come on, I, I, need, I need some love. And so I thought, okay, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sneak up. She was on the top bunk. I'm gonna sneak up there. I'm gonna just tap her just real quick and say, hey babe, check out what I did. And then I'm gonna kiss her and I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna be a hero, right? It's a happy Valentine's Day, babe, right? So I start climbing up this ladder and you're, you're, starting to think what I was not thinking at the time, like, you have a ski mask on, dude, you gotta freak her out. So I climb up this ladder and I'm getting ready to tap. I'm like, oh no, I have a ski mask on. She doesn't know it's me. She's gonna panic. So I start to pull it off and I realized I'd pinned it to my shirt and it wouldn't come off. I'm like, I've already committed. I'm up here. I just gotta do this. So I pull this, this, this 
ski mask off, the shirt off. I'm like, this looks terrible. If anyone comes in right here, I'm thrown out of the school for sure. There is no questions asked. But I, I tap her on the shoulder, thinking that she's going to wake up and be like, oh, Brandon, man, your muscles are so big. And like, you know, you Valentine's, right? She wakes up and she looks at me and she's like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Go, go. Like she's panicked. She's like, she's like, get out of here. I'm like, no, no kiss. What? Like, get out of here. So I take off. I bolt out of there. Thank the Lord. Like nobody caught me. I got out of there and lesson learned. Like, no, don't break into the female dorm room on Valentine's Day. Sounded like a great idea. But man, you know what? I was so excited about my, my vision that I was all in. Whatever it takes I'm going to get up there. It's going to happen. doesn't matter. Nothing's going to stop me. Do you have that same kind of commitment and passion to the things that really matter in life? I mean, are, are you a casual Christian? Are you a casual leader? Or are you saying, man, I'm all in. Whatever it takes, I'm going to give my all. I'm pouring into this no matter what. If you'll live that way, if you'll live with a whatever it takes attitude, you'll see God do some great things in your life. But Solomon, although he may have had that aspect, he faltered in the end. He faltered when it came to how he finished. But between starting and ending, probably where most of us are in our life is this hard middle section, running hard, running hard. And in Corinthians, it tells us, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So you can start strong, but are you, are you running hard? Are you, are you doing everything you can to influence your world around you? Are, are you giving everything you've got? Are you, are you pouring your best in? Are you growing? Are you developing yourself? You know, part of the journey of life and growing, uh, one of my, my friends explained it well like this. He said, you know, I feel like in life, there's like, it's like this spiral staircase around a mountain. And, and life keeps coming at me and I keep walking, but I, I keep finding myself coming back to the same set of challenges and decisions and crises and problems that I always have. It's just, it's at a higher altitude. So I keep growing and I kind of find myself in similar seasons. It's just that as I go around in life, um, the same kind of scenarios come back. It's just they're more complex. And, and, and it was like this when I was single, but now I have kids. So I still have the challenge of discipline, but now I have the discipline of taking care of myself and my children. Or, you know, I had this problem when I was, you know, had my first job and I had this, you know, being responsible and carrying all the pressures. But now I have a bigger job and there's employees maybe now in, in, this, in the work where you're at. And it's like, what's well, more complicated? Or when I was in school, I, I had the responsibility and crisis of this. And now that I'm in the workplace, see, the, the crises and the challenges, the opportunities, they don't stop. But if you'll grow and you'll get stronger, if you'll keep running hard and making yourself better and, and getting closer to God, when those challenges come, you'll be equipped to handle them. See, there's, there's somebody, there's a, there's a person 30 or 40 years down the road that's depending on you. It's really depending on you to get it right today. And that's your future self. And your future self is hoping that you today will get right what we're talking about, that you'll, you'll make the right decisions, that you'll, you'll get closer to him, that, that you'll grow, that you'll become that person today that, that you can be so that 30, 40 years from now, your life and your future uh, will be better because of what you do today, how you run hard today. But run hard. Run hard and don't give up because you have to finish. You have to finish well. Finish well. And, you know, Solomon, he had these other pieces in place, but he didn't finish well. He got into it, and he realized it was something maybe bigger than, than what he was prepared for, and he, and he got distracted. And, you know, you can start strong in anything. If they say that it, the, the dream is free, but the journey is what costs you. And your journey, as you start to make changes in your life, in your spiritual life, as you start to grow, as you start to influence, there's a, 
there's a point that you get to that it's like, man, the point of no return. And I, I, I'm going to finish this well, or I'm going to drop the baton and not, and not be able to hand it off. And in high school, I remember swimming across a, a channel between two lighthouses. The town I grew up in was on the lake shore, and, and there's this big channel that the boats would come in and out. And I, I used to try to swim from one lighthouse to the other. And all my friends were cheering me on, you can make it. And I, was all, I had been just thinking, I just got to get to the other side. And I'm like halfway across, and I see a boat coming in. From, from out in the lake, and I had not factored in. I've only been thinking about getting to the other side. I've not factored in what happens when I'm out in the middle and a boat comes in, and this boat's like coming right at me very fast, and I think, I'm, I'm like laying in traffic here. There's nothing I can do. And thankfully, they saw me, and I was waving, and the guy in the boat says, Brandon, is that you? And it ended up being a guy I knew from my church. And so it ended up being a funny conversation, but we, he made it past, and I made it to the other side. Got to the other side, and I thought, man, I made it. I feel so good. And then I had this realization that I had thought of for the very first time when I got to the other side, I have to get back. <laughs> it's a several mile track if I'm gonna walk around, I have to swim back. So I went to a safer place and I had to swim all the way back. And some of you, you might, you might have started something. You, you might have said, well, it sounds great to, you know, you know, be in a marriage or have kids or it sounds great to get my education and here, or it sounds great, this job offer. And you, you know, you're in, your, you're in your sophomore year, you're in your junior year and you're like, well, I don't, I committed, but now it's, it's hard and it's not as easy and the motion's not there. And it's like, are you gonna finish? Are you gonna, are you gonna complete what you committed to? Are you gonna finish what you started? And people will remember the, the last impression is a lasting impression and you can you can do it, as a lot of people have done. I've seen so many people, even in ministry, they, they, they began well, they started strong, but they didn't finish well. And Solomon didn't finish well. And it can ruin your reputation. It can undermine everything you've built, everything you've poured your life into. So what do you, what do you need to succeed? When you think about starting strong and doing whatever it takes, committing or persevering through the middle or finishing well, what season are you in? And, and any endeavor that, that you're engaged in, what is it that you need to focus on? Here's the lessons here in your notes, and I want you to look at it. Start strong, run hard, finish well. Maybe circle the one that for you is, you know, your prayer, saying, God, help me, help me to be better at this. I want to run hard. I want to persevere. I want to not give up, or I want to finish well. I, I don't end things well that I start. I have a lot of unfinished projects and relationships I bailed on. I want to get better at that. Or I need to initiate more. My problem is that I never begin. I never start. I sit back. I'm too passive. I need to jump in. What is it for you? If you want to be a bigger influencer, you got to have all three of those. If you want to make a big imprint with your life that matters, you have to start strong, run hard, and finish well. So why? Why, do we, why would we even try to influence? Why would we try to do these things? Well, we believe that we have a huge why, a very important why. And that why is in your notes. And the why is this. It's Jesus. Jesus is our motivation. Jesus came, God's own son in the flesh, 2,000 years ago. And we believe that he came to pay the sin penalty that all of us owed because of our, our sins against God, our rebellious ways against God separated us from him. And we were headed for an eternity in hell and punishment away from God. And he came and he, he paid our penalty on the cross. He died for us. And not only that, he rose from the grave to show that he's more powerful than death and that nothing can separate us from God's love. And that if we'll ask, he said, he will forgive us. He will forgive us in his sin, or his, his payment for our sin, because he was sinless, is what allows us to be forgiven, it allows us to have heaven, have companionship with him, and we believe that's our why, that's what matters, that's why we influence. And influence, as we've talked about in this teaching series, it's not a position, but it's who you are as a person. 
And if you as a person have a really good why, you can do great things for God. And there's no bigger why than this why, which is Jesus. He's the reason we do what we do. And why did Jesus come? What was his why? Luke 19.10, his one-sentence mission statement was, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, to help, to help the spiritually lost, those who don't know Jesus, be reconciled one life at a time, lives be transformed, more people to experience life in Jesus. That's why we exist. And we're gonna end this teaching series the same way we began it, with John chapter 15, verse eight. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Jesus' own, own words. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And God is pleased when you bear much fruit, when you, when you lead, when you use your gifts and your talents, your time, your money, your passions, your heart, every part of who you are, you use that for God and you say, God, I want something eternal to happen with my life. I want other lives to be impacted for people to come to know Jesus. And if you'll do that, you'll find a fulfilling life. You'll find a life that you invest in things that are lasting. And you'll find a life that's not filled with regret, but that leads to hope, that leads to meaning, and that has vision. And I hope that's what you'll do, that you'll start strong, you'll run hard, and you'll finish well as you lead on. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship Original Song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today. Your head.